Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon, the unique blend of hunting, fishing, wildlife conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Taurus, award-winning pistols and revolvers. Mossberg, American-built, American Strong, and the Red 55 Winery in Lindale, Texas. Signature wines of Grammy Award-winning country artist Miranda Lambert and owned by Rick and Beverly Lambert. Mr. Luke Clayton, it is January going into February, of course, and guess what? DSC Convention the Hunting Expo is just passed. Uh, they're already planning the next one. Of course, next year we'll be over in, in Atlanta because they're tearing down the K Baby Hutchinson Center there in Dallas. You've been DSC in the past, and what kind of your impression? You you were there Saturday. You and I had an opportunity to spend some time, a little bit of time together, but uh, we were there also to sign copies of our books. You bet, Larry. I would say the outdoor world is a, is alive and kicking right now. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, I, that is a very good indication of just how, how popular and, and needed, you know, the outdoors is right now. Gosh, the aisles were full of exuberant people and talking about all kind of different things from catching stripers on Lake Texoma to hunting uh, blue wildebeest in Africa. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was a fantastic time. And yeah, like always, you know, I've been going to those shows since the, if I'm not mistaken, Larry, since the 70s, uh, way back there. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a yearly thing. I look forward to it a lot and had a lot of fun with you signing our books, uh, your book, uh, the, uh, the deer book, and then the, the, uh, campfire talk book that we wrote together jointly and got to visit with a lot of friends. And it was, it was just pretty awesome overall. I'd say on a scale of one to 10, we're going to rate it about an 11, you know, 
<laughs> you know, I think you're exactly right. I, I talked to Mr. Russell Stacy afterwards. Russell was the uh, president of the DSC Foundation and also the convinced chairman and his wife, Mary Edith, and their daughter, Kaylee. And uh, he and I were talking, and I said, well, you know, she don't have the latest numbers in, but he says, I can tell you this, it was probably our best attended show, you know, kind of what we counted preliminary numbers. And he said the auctions and all the other things were extremely good. But, you know, you can't have these kind of shows without having a tremendous number of outstanding exhibitors and one thing about the dsc show is all the exhibitors that are there they've been vetted by dsc somebody comes in buys a hunt or buys a product or whatever you can be assured that it's it's as good as it gets because uh it wasn't they wouldn't be in the show well i was there i I didn't get to spend as much time on the floor as i'd hoped i was going to be able to i did a lot of things kind of behind the scenes and those kind of things for DSC. But uh, the exhibitors that I spoke with that ranged all the way from Africa to, to Asia to Europe to, uh, of course, North America and New Zealand and, and parts in between were all smiling and saying that had an absolutely fantastic day and each of the days we were there. I'm fortunate that every morning we have an exhibitor breakfast where anybody that's an exhibitor can come in and have breakfast. And um, I get a chance to meet and greet those guys then. And you give me an opportunity to talk with them a little bit, you know, and find out how they're done. And we've been doing it now for a bunch of years. So, you know, we kind of got to know each other, a lot of us. And uh, everybody was smiling and everybody was feeling good about how the show was going. And, you know, I like some people are excited about going to Atlanta and, and some of them are not. But uh, I got a feeling those same people that are telling me that, they're not real excited. They're going to be there just like I am. But Atlanta doors opened about the same time that middle January of uh, 2025. So, but, you know, we had an opportunity there to visit also a little bit with uh, with Jeff Rice. Jeff came in with you, and, and uh, I know that Jeff and, and you talked to some of the exhibitors as well that uh, that's kind of been sponsors of ours on our, our TV show, our digital TV show, uh, Sportsman's Life. And uh, what do you think Jeff was excited about being there as well, too? I can guarantee you that he was, Larry. You know, <laughs> a lot of times I've noticed Jeff, Jeff is a longtime friend of, of both Larry and I, folks. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different because Jeff had made his career in another business, another endeavor. And this outdoor, the side of the outdoors that you and I are really familiar with, that's still all fairly new to jeff it really is i mean you know and uh but but sometimes he'll you know i'll watch him and he'll he'll just he he's a he's a quick learner you know oh yes he is i'll tell you he's very sharp and he'll uh, uh that video to jeff rice has always been and it still is a passion i don't think that we could do what we do if we didn't have a pa i know i couldn't if I didn't have a passion for writing and the stuff that we do is, you know, outdoor media people. But Jeff, uh, before, before I connected with Jeff, he did a, uh, video weekly, filmed it, put it together, put it on YouTube, you know, uh, for years he did that. And then when he and I started doing it, I, I told him, I said, you know, you're doing this anyway, let's just create a, a, a show, and and then you joined us out, Larry. You know, three or four years ago, and it it became a, an entity, if you will. You know, so it's a sportsman's life uh, is just a whole lot of fun, 
and it tie for you and I, it's another medium. You know, the, we do our writing, and I, I do a ton of radio, and, and of course you're right there with me on Catfish Radio. You have been for what sixteen? This is the sixteenth year, Larry. I think so, yes, sir. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's it's Jeff thoroughly enjoys what he's doing. He it's uh he sees a little bit different side of it rather than just you know filming his hunts. You know, it's 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 expanded quite a bit. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all have not already guessed by now, I'm talking with Luke Clayton, not only a very dear friend of mine, but Luke and I have been doing radio as we just mentioned for a long time and and hunt and fish together every opportunity that we have. So welcome to a, another episode of DSC's Campfires. Look, while you were there, I know that you, you met with, uh, a, I know that you're big into years ago you were, and then you kind of, you, you're one of these guys that hunts with everything. <laughs> I mean, whether, it, whether it's a sharpened stick with a, or whether it's a, a, a round ball in the past, or whether it's a projectile, or whether it's a, something propelled by air, or whatever you hunt with everything but i know years ago you were really big into muzzle loading and i was too for a while and yeah and but you you all of a sudden i got a call from you here not too long ago and you said i think i'm gonna start shooting a muzzle over again a little bit so tell me about what created you to or what made you want to get back into muzzle loading and then and kind of what you're looking at using now yep you know larry i i never really got out of it uh but but i i for I, I made the transition from an old East Texas or a young East Texas rifle hunter. I, I skipped the bows. I went straight from uh, a thirty thirty to a muzzle loader. I had a buddy. This was back. Oh gosh, I'm going to say forty years ago. But right. I had a, I had a buddy that was uh, a muzzle loader, an avid muzzle loader hunter. Well, so for about eight years, I think it was, he got me. He loaned me his Hawking rifle. And that's back in the day with the little number 11 CCI cap, you know. Oh, yes. Not quite as much uh, firepower as a 209 shotgun primer like we use today. But so he loaned me his Hawking. And I remember um, I got a from, uh, let's see, I think it was from Cabela's. I got a replica Hawking that was my first muzzleloader, patched round ball. I shot a doe i remember shooting a doe and finally got a buck and hogs a few hogs so i got into that and and i i used to write for the the uh long hunter journal which was uh i guess that was a, i think that was a magazine for the national muzzle loading rifle association it was there it is yes sir. Uh, still there i need to reconnect since i'm shooting the muzzle loader again Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i used that <clears throat> hunted about eight years and, and of all things, you mentioned I'd like to do different things in the outdoors. And then I got into bow hunting, and, and I, I, I hung my muzzle loaders on the rack, and I got really in, enamored with bow hunting. I, and I still, I still like to bow hunt. Uh, but it's what I did for about 15 years, you know. But then as I got a little bit older, I thought, you know, I got into big bore air rifles, and learning about them, it was just something, I, I like the challenge of something new. And, and uh, you know, it's fun. But, I, you know, Larry, I never gave up. Uh, in, in the late muzzleloader season for the past many years, I've usually broke my old muzzleloader out. I've, I've yeah. got, and, and shot it in 
and make sure it's hitting and, and well take a deer with it late season just i don't know why it's not so much the the well maybe part of it is the extra the lengthy season you know the muzzleloader season but anyway i do that but uh i i connected uh with cva i, I was talking to uh tony smotherman there right. yeah and uh he's the the pr guy and he used to do hunts and kind of the head honcho with cva and uh, I was talking to him that I'd like to get back into um, modern, the more modern-day muzzleloaders. Right, and so the yeah, 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 the inlines, and that's exactly what I did. And I was amazed to learn some of the advancements, especially in CVA now is the muzzleloader company in, in, in the United States. I mean, probably the world, but they, they are the, they're the big, the big boys. They and, are. Yes, and they make some uh, some really fine muzzleloaders. They've got innovations that I was unaware of. One is a ramrod. Well, you know, if you've ever uh, pushed a, a, a round down, you know, drop a couple of pellets in and then seat around with a, just a straight ramrod, you know that it can be rough on the heel of your hand when you're pushing. <laughs> yes, you, can. you know, you know, you usually put, I usually put something, carry a piece of leather or something to put on there. But... They made the CVA just a small thing, but it's a big thing. The end of their ramrod is concave there, and it fits right down on the the little tremble thing right. where it slides in there. So you can shoot right through it, and it won't it won't hit the end of the ramrod. But you've got that exactly to use to set the set seat your bullet, things like that. And then, oh gosh, the the two oh nine shotgun primers they all have that now. So. Uh, it's more than likely going to go bang. I'll tell you something, Larry, that I've learned that, uh, that I relearned, you know, there's all kind. nobody hardly shoots black powder unless they're shooting a flint lock or maybe, you know, uh, right. uh, antique type replica type, uh, rifle. But, uh, these things now you can use, uh, you know, the, the, uh, substitute black powder substitute. And I will say this, this is a company that you knew a lot about with reloading, but the White Hots, they shoot clean. It's a, instead, most all substitutes are dark colored pellets or dark colored powder. Right. But the White Hots are white. And I had, uh, Tony told me, he said, now you want to shoot White Hots in that. And I said, well, I had some other powder that I was using. He said, that's highly fouling stuff that you're using. I won't name it, but but it, it, it does it fouls quite a bit more those white hots if you're a muzzleloader shooter you really need to look at look into those because it's uh you can you can see the cloud when when you shoot the smoke comes out. it's white i mean it's just a lot less and the fouling is very very little so that's something i learned or relearned i, I had some of those white hots from years ago but it was just fun getting back into it not the groups these things shoot is pretty amazing i you know I'm, <laughs> I'm not a long range shooter at anything i'm really not i like to get up close and personal but yes, sir. Uh, kind of the air guns i that's one thing i like about them inside of 75 yards a lot of people like to even shoot these big bore air guns out at 200 150 yards that's too far for old luke i want to you know i want to know exactly where that trajectory is going to be and i can do that if it's inside a hundred so i sighted this thing in larry actually to be quite frank with you i sighted it in at 75 yards dead on i actually i put it about an inch high at 75 
and using one two pellets, which I think those white hots are sixty grains. So that'd be a hundred and twenty. Oh, really? Yeah, the they're not. Grains of, I'm pretty. Right. I'm pretty sure. Make sure and check that, folks. But uh, a lot of the other pellets are fifty grains, but I think the white hots are sixty. Most people recommend using two of them. So that'd be 120 grains. But right. at 75 yards, I shot it in just a little high, thinking I would probably be right on at 100, you know? And I think I, you, at yeah. least you'll be okay. Hit, you're going to hit that vital area without yes, any problems at 100 area. And, and most deer, particularly the deer that we hunt, that vital area is about an 8 to 10 inch circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what, I, that's what I was doing and shooting. A really good group. I mean, I think I showed you the box there when you came by the other day. Yeah. But, uh, I just took an old big old cardboard box and put a you know little red sticker on there. But yeah, so <laughs> basic basic stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, they're very Easily set up. <laughs> oh yeah, it works. It works for me. <laughs> but it uh, yeah, it, they're very very accurate. I've and there are people that load them up to uh, one fifty. And yes. I know I know it's quite capable of this. I know that. Uh, you might want a mill dot scope, or you need to know where your trajectory's going to be. But, you know, sight it in out there at 125 yards. And I know that uh, you can load it up heavy and kill deer out to 200 yards with them. But that's just not me, you know? Well, if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. But yeah. I'm like, yeah. you might. I'm not a bow hunter, and you know that. A lot of folks do. I shot my last deer with a bow, I think, in 1984, which is a long time ago. I mean, almost 40 years ago. But uh, to me, I love that opportunity of getting as close as I can. That, to me, is what makes everything so much better. It is. And and, and truly, you you know, the, the, it's, anybody that hunts knows this. You you have to be a little bit more stealthy if you're, if you're up, up close and personal, with, especially deer. You, know, you do, as far as your movements are concerned. Oh, man. You know, they're just wired, aren't they? Elk, you know, I mean, honestly, I've hunted elk quite a bit and guided for elk. But uh, a white-tailed deer, if there's a more wired, it's a good way to, you know, uh, mention it there. But they are wired, a white-tail is. More so <laughs> than mule deer. Do you think You think that's true, Larry? Uh, uh, you know, with it, to me, when it comes to big, older, mature mule deer, just the regular mule deer, you know, young buck or that kind of thing, it's 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 really kind of uh, kind of like a young white tail, but when those mm-hmm. when those builders get to be of any age, they get to be pretty wary and they pay a lot of attention to what's going on around them. They're pretty tuned into their surroundings, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yep. Well, I uh, I've hunted white tail a whole lot more than mule deer. One of these times, we'll get into some funny black. You've heard my black powder story out on Clayton Williams's ranch out there between Marathon and Fort Stockton about 35 years ago <laughs> i had you remember the old scout that was tc used to make the uh, that was probably as close to being the first real inline there ever was but yes i do yeah i had its own time i had one of those i was probably the only muzzleloader hunter that ever showed up out there on that uh west Powell ranch that was the name of it and uh I remember those cowboys out there. They didn't know what to think about that. <laughs> you know, they, there's an old boy, that actually one of the cowboys that guided me. I never will forget his name was Walt. And uh, there's there's probably four or five cowboys that was actively guiding for mule deer there on that big ranch. And we were shooting it. They all wanted to shoot it. You know, they never. some of them probably never seen a muzzleloader, you know. But I had that scout with a scope on it. 
And, uh, you know, at 100 yards, we're shooting, I had it sighted in it. We had to shoot a three-inch group, you know, pretty consistently at 100 yards uh, using those conicals of the day that we used to use, right. you know. And so I'm out there pouring loose powder, powdered pyrodex, that's what I was using. Uh, I think I was using 80 grains is what I was shooting. But anyway, these guys are quizzing me. Real windy. You've heard this story, but I'm pouring that, I'm pouring that loose powder in there. Oh, Walt. <clears throat> Walt comes up to me. He says, Luke, it's about time for us to get ready to go. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said, okay, well, let me, let me load this thing up. This one of the other guy I want to shoot. And they're, t- they're quizzing the heck out of me, circle around me, you know, and I get probably a little bit distracted and pouring that powder down that barrel. Well, okay, <laughs> I was loaded up, ready to go. Jumped in the old Suburban with Walt, and we drive around. Oh, gosh, you could, I think the road going up to Clayton Williams' ranch, the camp house, was 21 miles, you know. <laughs> and But we're driving back in them hills. and them, So there's a herd of mule deer, one good buck who I've, you've seen him on my wall. I've got him. Nice buck. So anyway, Walt was not 100% sold on the muzzleloader himself. <laughs> he didn't run it down, but he was – I could tell he what he he didn't know for sure if it's got. No, what's this guy doing? Say, <laughs> so what's this man doing out here? We got a thirty alt six in the camp house for him, you know. Whatever. <laughs> so, I get out there and and uh, he's banging around that old suburban. And I thought, wait a minute. I remember saying, can you let me out? I'll. He said, no. You get out right here on the side of this mountain. Those deer will go over the mountain. And I said, oh, and, you know, kind of threw me a loop. He drives up there within a couple hundred yards of those things. He says, now, you just slip out on the back side of this and use those rocks and get up there. How, how close do you need to be? I said, well, closer the better. So I got up about 75 yards from the whole herd. There about 20 of them. One good buck and then some others. So he he had his son with him. He was parked over there watching me, you know. Well, I get up there and lean, put my coat down on a big old rock and lay that tc scout up there 50 caliber and i get a good bead on that big buck and i said oh my gosh i said dead ringer i've got him and the larry the charge hit the the, the bullet the <laughs> conical hit the ground about halfway to it went <laughs> you know that sound they make like that and yep, the, oh I my did. god what happened well i'd poured half the powder out bottom line <laughs> you know so I jumped back behind the rock, loaded up with a solid 80 grains, seat me another conical. And, that you know, that that whole herd had just kind of stalled around, just hopped around a little bit. And then he was about 80 yards away, and I got him that time. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was one of those things you won't forget, Larry. Well, that's one of those things that will make you want to use those pellets instead of <laughs> loose powder. I know it, buddy. That's for sure. Look, you and I do so many things together. We're going to cut this a little bit short because I know it's still hunting season going on for us. With you got muzzleloader season, and I've got uh, we both got the MLD thing that we're hunting on the Cotton Ranch. So, tell people how the best way to get in touch with you on uh, the many things you do, and even where they can get our books and those kind of things. Yep, you can go to catfishradio.org, catfishradio.org, and you can actually listen to the show that Larry and I have been doing for almost 16 years. Uh, there's four segments. Campfire Talk is the first one. That's a weekly thing. And it's always, you know, Larry, it's recorded within a few days of when people are, are listening to it. So 
Yep, catfishradio.org. And of course, we also do a podcast for Sporting Classics Daily that can be heard on their site. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, then Jeff Rice just completed a website for me called LarryWeissoon.net. It's all lowercase. And uh, they can either go to Carbon TV or to YouTube to watch our Sportsman's Live. And they can actually watch the episodes now on my website there as well, too. And then, of course, listen to this podcast. So, and order our, our, our books there as well, too. So I know that uh, Jeff is in the process of reworking years where all that can happen as well, too. And really want to invite people to uh, go to our websites. And uh, I got a feeling they'll like our books. They're, they're, not in, they're not expensive to begin with, and they're fun to read. And, and uh, my golly, we'll get them to you as quickly as we can. Luke, we've got an event coming up here very shortly, uh, February the I believe it is. You want to tell people a little about that as well, too, those folks who might be within uh, driving distance? Yeah, I'll say a couple of hours of Dallas up at Lake Fork. It's uh, Fisherman's One Stop. It's a nice restaurant and pretty big place there on a few acres. But we're going we're gonna to be there, you and I and a whole lot of other people, uh, for the uh, first annual Lake Fork Campfires Expo. I think that's what they call it. But that's... Uh, that will be the 10th of February. Folks can eh, contact me. I'll, I'll hook you up. You, you can you could call or Google uh, Fisherman's One Stop on Lake Fork and, and get some information there. But Or go to catfishradio.org and then email Luke, and I promise to get back with you. Luke, thank you so much for joining me this this day, because I was about to say this morning, we're recording in the morning, but a lot of times people don't get a chance to listen to these things until late in the afternoon or even at night. But I want to thank you for being with me this morning, or today rather, and uh, look forward to catching up here with you in a few days. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us around the campfire this morning. We'll be right back here again next week. DSC's Campfires has also been brought to you by the Crown Bar in LaGrange, Texas. Habit, our gear, your adventure. The Texas Wildlife Association, Double Nickel Taxidermy, Burnham Brothers Game Calls, and H3 Whitetail Solutions.